Primus Pinball Revealed. Deep Root Pinballs Launch Postponed. Beatles Pinball Goes Into Production. Hi, my name is Jonathan Houston from Pinball Magazine, and with me is... I am Martin Eyre from Pinball News in London. And welcome to our free monthly podcast in which we are covering the pinball news of the past month, which in this case is November 2018. Indeed, November was uh, relatively quiet, but there was still some exciting news going on last month. So this this podcast should, shouldn't be too long, but it should be packed full of useful information and little tidbits of uh, of knowledge that we picked up along the way, because we've, uh, we've both been pretty busy, haven't we, over the past month? Yeah, but it, isn't that always the case? I mean, our podcasts are always chucked full with useful information and... and oh, absolutely, <laughs> but, uh, but, but um, you know, this one's probably not going to be like two hours, let me just put it that way. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, um, there's... Well, um, what came quite as a surprise uh, for many, at least uh, sort of for me, because I've been busy over the past couple of weeks with uh, with other stuff, uh, the Primus pinball uh, manufactured by Stern. Um, I did realize that there was some talk about it for like a month and a half up front, but not in the in the in the traditional sense, like. Um, monsters that we've known a year up front that Stern is working on, and so there's hardly a surprise that they're working on that game. In this case, the Primus game, um, I was almost at the point that I was saying, like, uh, Stern finally did it. They managed to keep a game a secret. Yeah, they did, although it's, strictly speaking, not their game, is it? It's a a contract game for them. um, Being This is a project from... uh, well, from it's an artist-led game, should we say? It's a passion project. From uh, well, you, you know who's who's involved in the game, um, right? Well, um, obviously the band had to be the Primus is a band for those who don't know. Um, uh, you might know them from their uh, theme song for uh, the uh, South Park animated uh, uh, TV show. Um, that's one of the things that they did, apparently, and. Um, um, apparently, they were um, had sort of the idea to um, to have a pinball machine themed after them. And as it happens, um, Zombie Yeti, who is doing artwork for Stern on uh, several games, uh, happens to be one of the artists on uh, uh, Primus's uh, uh, poster, uh, gig posters, or whatever you call that. Um, and, yeah, um, and he, he was a big fan of uh, Zoltron, who um, did a little of their album artwork, I think, and um, had been in, was, was friendly with him. And the two of them together um, came up with the idea of uh, of doing the artwork for uh, a pinball machine, and um, and basically they took it took it to Stern uh, as a, as a contract project and, um, and worked out a deal between the band. Stern and and themselves, right? So um, and so we're talking about a limited, a very limited edition of uh, 100 games only, plus an additional eight for uh, the bands, their management, the artists, and one additional game that's going to the uh, creator of South Park. Um, and um, so there's 100 games available for. 
uh, purchase for fans. And from what I understood is that they're down to the last 20 at the moment. So, And then, uh, for those wondering, what game are we talking about? We're talking about a re-theme of Woe Nelly Big Juicy Melons, the same playfield layout is used, but they're using the uh, cabinet as it was used in the iteration of the Pabst Can Crusher game. Yeah, um, what's the difference between, between the cabinets then? Did the cabinet change for uh, Pabst Can Crusher over the Woe Nelly one? Yeah, um, the Woe Nelly one had uh, wooden... Uh, uh, trim on the um, uh, around the playfield, um, and the the Wonelli game basically had the, the whole crate thing going on. Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, free yeah. crates. Yeah. yeah, and with Pepcan Crusher, it became just a um, uh, a more standard cabinet, but not as high as the um, um, the, the, the the stern or not no, as deep. Stern. Yeah. Yeah. So so basically, since this is a single level uh, game, the glass is uh, pretty close to the playfield, so to speak. Um, which actually, I I mean, I think I mentioned that in the previous podcast. I would have hoped that for the Beatles, they would have used this type of cabinet because it would make it look far more authentic as to an EM style type of game. Um, mm. But Stern didn't. Um, and as it turns out now, uh, these cabinets are being used for uh, for Primus. Yes, it's, uh, it's an interesting choice of playfield layout for uh, a sort of a, a fairly modern band, one would say, uh, to use a uh, sort of kind of retro playfield design and layout. Well, um, it's, it's not it's not something which you'd immediately associate with. Um, uh, be, being popular with the, the Primus uh, fan base, shall we say? Right. Um, I my guess is since this is a contract game, um, chances are Primus had two options to choose from if they wanted to have a pinball machine: either use the O'Nelly layout, which is um, uh, probably the cheapest to re-theme, uh, because you're only re- well, you have to apply new artwork for it, of course, um, and a new soundtrack and do new voice calls and all that kind of stuff. But that's yep. about it. Um, the alternative might have been, and this is pure speculation on my end, and we don't do speculation, I know that, but <laughs> if you're going to Stern Pinball and you, you're looking to have a game themed after your rock band, they might also say, like with Supreme, okay, take the Spider-Man home layout. And in case of Supreme, the artwork was uh, very cheap to uh, uh, apply to that. Um, <laughs> it uh, certainly should have been, yes. Yeah, but um, since that game also has a uh, dot matrix display, that means that you're also having to work on uh, content for that display. And that might have been too costly for Primus, to, um, uh, resulting in the choice for uh, uh, Wonelli Big Juicy Melons uh, re-theme, so to speak. But again, yeah, but pure we're, speculation we're talking, on my end, so don't, we, don't quote me on that. But you're talking on, uh, about costly, and um, which would kind of suggest that this would be a, a cheaper game, and yet the, the, the retail price, I believe, is looking at uh, 7995 right. in, in US dollars. So it's not exactly a cheap option either. So either, well, either Sterner... Um, are looking to get a good markup, or somebody's looking to get a good markup, or there are a, a bunch of other costs involved, which we're, we're maybe we're not, we're not seeing here. What we're, uh, I think the math is pretty easy to do based on on if you look at the the the, the bill of materials of that game, 
Um, I think it's very, let's say, just to be on the safe side, that it costs Stern $4,000 to make that game. I think that's pretty, pretty, very generous, but yes. yes. Okay. 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 But then we're on the safe side. So let's say uh, $4,000, um, uh, bill of materials, all the labor involved, um, and, and, and so on. Um, obviously, Stern, if that's their cost, they will want to have a markup, you know. Um, so they might be selling the games to Primus for 6000 and then it's up to Primus to sell them. And since there's only 100, limited edition, you mark it up to eight. So Stern takes a profit of two grand at the minimum per game. And Primus does as well. And that's how you make $200,000 in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I guess so. Um, it, it kind of... Uh, I would... I would challenge those figures of course but well as i'm sure, I'm not sure you would head, as well <laughs> just from the top of yeah. my head we're just purely speculating here but if the if if stern is offering such an option then then that's probably what you're looking at so um i mean stern's not going to do this for free and neither they should they um and it's not a problem either and obviously the game is not targeted at pinheads but it's more targeted at uh, uh diehard primus fans i guess well, don't. exactly. That, that's why I thought of the actual choice of playfield design is uh, probably not the best one for Primus fans who are, more, who are probably who are unfamiliar with pinball. That this wouldn't be their, shall we say, the the best introduction to pinball, uh, or to the best introduction to, to to the modern standard of pinball. Shall we say? Well, on the other end, and we didn't discuss it yet, but. I have to say hats off to Zoltron and Zombietti for the artwork because it's a very colorful, drop-dead, gorgeous game. It is, absolutely. And, there's, there's, and uh, being a, an older game, there's plenty of space on the play field in which to, to show off their work. And I think it looks... Uh, the, the cabinet, particularly, and the back glass uh, are both uh, are both beautiful pieces of work. Play field's a little um, busy, should I say. Clutter. Uh, yeah, um, but um, I think it, it still, as a package, holds up very well. Yeah, and uh, looks nice when when illuminated too. So, and hey, if there's a hundred people willing to chime in to 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 pay eight thousand uh, dollars for a game like that, um, I congrat everybody, uh, congratulate everybody involved um, in in um, having a successful game run. Well, absolutely. If they if they sell the whole lot, then they they um, or just sell the whole lot, then they pitched it absolutely perfectly. Yeah, and even if they don't sell the whole lot, they're still big time in the in the in the black number. So no worries about anybody over there. No, they always sell them one way or another. I right. think uh, if they end up with twenty left over, they'll they'll be able to sell them over the next few years without any any difficulty at all. Yeah. So um, a couple of years from now, you might see a new one still in box uh, pop up and it will go for an amazing figure. Um, so, yeah, they will sell. Yeah. So Stern have been busy doing that, but they've also been busy uh, in various other ways as well. Um, oh, so yeah, talk about absolutely. the Beatles then, which was, um, which was shown for the first time at uh, IAPA in... Um, in Florida, wasn't it, the yes. show down there? Yeah, the funny story is, uh, before we had to IEPA, um, the weekend prior to IEPA was the Dutch Pinball Open. Um, we were both there. We did our quiz, and you wrote a great report from that 
uh, event on oh, your uh, very much. Pinball News website. Do check that out. I would recommend that to everybody. Um, um, I actually, uh, because I knew there was a Beatles game in London, and I actually tried to get that game to uh, be at the show. Yeah. And Gary Stern was very firm saying, no, the game will debut at IAPA and not anywhere else. Mm. Yeah, we can understand. They, they want to have their people there. They don't want to... Um uh, as I understand it, the game that was in London at that point was a, a prototype game, right. n- um, not a production game. So there would have been differences, and, and Stern would have wanted someone from from their side to be there to uh, babysit it and explain any any changes that would have yeah. been made prior so, to production. So no hard feelings to Gary Stern. It was uh, sure it would have been great, but um, I understand, and that's okay. Um, it was worth giving it a shot. So absolutely, you should always try these things. But speaking of London, um, and the, of course, so the game debuted at the IAPA show, and um, I think they had two models. They had uh, two. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got the first uh, videos, which were very noisy in the background, and it was very difficult to basically understand what was going on, at least for me. And after that, they, well, basically Stern did a, an event in New York City, uh, at Modern Pimble, where the game was, um, um, yeah, revealed a launch party. Yeah, launched, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where they had, um, Cousin Brucey there, who's the, the announcer on the game. Right. Um, and, uh, I think was, was Jack, was Jack there just streaming from it? Jack Danger was streaming from yeah. there and, um, mm-hmm. And the game is uh, also at a pop-up store in London where you got to play it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I found out about this um, um, a couple of weeks ago and found that um, in, in a, a shopping centre in, um, in central London, there's, um, they were doing this um, promotional event um, for the game which had four of the, the gold models or gold edition models um, in, in a sort of uh, art gallery type setting uh, surrounded by lots of Beatles memorabilia. And it seemed a very strange scene because there's never been anything like this for any previous Stern launches in the UK. But then the more information came out about this and it turned out that the uh, the owner of the UK distributor Stern Distributor, uh, who also distributed a lot of other products and are a, a big player in the, the coin-op and amusement game um, called Electrocoin. The owner of that uh, was quite instrumental in in organising the, uh, the agreement between Apple Corp, who are the licence holders for Beatles, and uh, Stern and Kapow, Joe Kamenkow. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has um, um, quite a quite an interest in, in, in um, how this game turned out, and, and also you know, he, he himself is a, is a huge fan of a more simplistic, um, maybe a single level type playfield. So the, the, the Sea Witch redesign that we've seen is, is ideal for that, and a, a simpler, easier to understand, and more accessible game. Um, so uh, he he was in contact with Apple. Uh, about about the license, and also he's a friend of the owner of this um, this large shopping centre, who was very keen to get you know um, do a kind of um, event there, 
because the whole whole shopping centre has just been redesigned and, and reopened, so it's a good promotion for them too. Right. Um, so, so Apple were thoroughly on board with this as well. So they provided all the memorabilia, all the stuff that's on the walls and in frames was provided by Apple, and um, Electrocoin provided uh, the four machines from Stern, and uh, they still also have the original prototype back at the factory, or back at the uh, the Electrocoin office in uh, North London, which is not that far away from from where I'm speaking to you now. Right. Um, so it's uh, it's a very nice event. It's you know it's uh, all the games are on free play. Anybody can just just rock up and uh, go and play some games, enjoy the whole experience of the uh, the, the Beatles. Um, uh, memorabilia and and um, and just get involved in the whole Beatles feel because uh, it's it is you know it's, it's sort of like white album very plain on the walls and uh, with with just um, little collections of of, uh, of album covers and, and posters and tickets. Well, basically, and what you would find at any uh, Beatles fanatic that is collecting Beatles memorabilia. Absolutely right, yeah. yeah so, that, so that's all there, and four, four games to play, and the, the event runs until December the 12th. Right. So, um, having been in London uh, earlier this year, um, I actually visited the um, Sherlock Holmes Museum in Baker Street, I right think Street. that is. Mm-hmm. Um, right next door is actually a, um, a Beatles um, uh, shop, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, where lots of Beatles products, including gold records and all that kind of stuff, uh, is being sold. Is it anywhere close to where this exhibition is held, so that that people visiting that store might visit both at the same uh, in in the same trip? Or is it? That- um, it's it's probably I would say it's walking distance. Um, my place of work is I would say fifteen minutes walk from Baker Street. Um, and then the 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 Brunswick Centre, where this pop up store is, is probably another twenty minutes walk in in the same direction. So you're probably looking at least half an hour's walk from Baker Street to get there. Or you can take you know you can take the tra- the, the tube very easily and right. get there. Um, so yeah, if you're going to one, you should certainly go to the other. Right. Well, if you're into the Beatles, yeah, for sure. If you're just into pinball, then then well, then still the Beatles store. Is interesting because um, it had in the um, in the shopping window it had a, a yellow submarine toy pinball machine, which I actually uh-huh. thought that would be fun to. Uh, in, uh, other people found that game uh, in the meantime as well. But during uh, the summer of uh, this year, would the thought occur to post that picture as like first image of a Beatles pinball machine? <laughs> I didn't. But the thought occurred, but I, 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 I was a good boy, I didn't, I didn't. Well done, we won't want to annoy anyone. Right, so, but anyway, so, um, so Beatles has been, uh, launched, you played mm-hmm. it, um, would you care to talk about what you think of gameplay, or is that not something for this podcast? No, I can, I can just, um, because it's a simple game, it won't take very long to talk about the gameplay. Um, it seemed, um, a fun, fast, and um, enjoyable game, I would say. Uh, certainly, certainly good value to play when, it, especially when it's free. But uh, it was, it would be worthwhile you know, playing it on location as well. It's the, the lack of features on the playfield doesn't seem to detract from the the fun value of the game. I would say mm-hmm. um, it was. Um, 
probably the thing which got me the most about it. No, we've seen the play field, we've seen the artwork. What you don't get to see on any of the stills or the press releases is the quality of the animations on the LCD display. And, and I think I, I think they're absolutely wonderful. They're really very well done. They clearly, I say clearly, but at, uh, from somebody who works in the business of, uh, of video graphics, um, it they clearly didn't have a lot of assets to work with in terms of video. They had a lot of stills, and um, they kind of do it a bit like like the Batman thing, with um, a smaller screen within the main screen mm-hmm. with a surrounder, um, but. That doesn't seem to really just detract. They do do lots of moves on stills. They do have some some clips of the band playing, and but I would say the main thing is probably going to be the music and the music's in there. And there's lots of lots of music in there. Uh, though interestingly, uh, I did find out that uh, there are not necessarily whole songs in the game. There are there are bits of songs. There are there are sections of songs. But they um, Apple were were charging. Uh, virtually on a sort of per second basis for how much of each song they wanted to use. It wasn't like, we're going to use this song, you get all of it. No, you don't get all of it. You get as much as you're willing to pay for. Right. Okay. So, so some of the songs are a bit truncated, but not not ne- that you'd necessarily notice just to playing the game. But if you're a Beatles fan, you might think, oh, that's weird. The game, the, the song sort of stopped there and, and gone back and looped. When it hasn't hadn't no, gone all the way through. Well, I might but, hope that that, that that looping is one thing, but that you, that they could loop it seamlessly, that it doesn't occur like, hey, this the third time I hear the first verse or something like that. But yeah, um, I suspect because you know, the, the songs, most of the songs are mode based, and and most of those modes are based on timers. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna be hearing the same thing repeated too many times but uh, but I do want to go back and just just reiterate what I was saying about the the graphics because they've done some some lovely sort of in-house generated effects for uh, when, you know, when, you, when you complete Beatlemania and when you get an extra ball and uh, it's really sort of very dynamic and colorful and impressive work you know I know I, I know how much effort goes into doing those those graphics and um i think that's uh, something people will be surprised by the first time they see it okay since this is a uh, a reuse of the um the sea witch layout what i'm curious about and this might be an odd question um stern electronics pop bumpers do have a certain feel to them um the current stern pop bumpers also have a certain feel to them which is but it's not as rubbery i would say as the stern electronic pop bumpers Mm. um did did you notice any difference having i assume you've played sea witch before yeah yeah uh well this is a brand new game so the pop bumpers are very active and um they are surrounded by by rubber bands so there's a lot of action going on up in the in the pop bumper area although it was uh it was a bit Frustrating because uh, you know, the top right-hand corner of the pop bumpers there are four drop targets spelling 1964, and I could not for the life of me get the four to be knocked down from the pop bumpers when I was playing it, and uh, and I was playing it with a friend who may call in today or may not, um, ah, and uh, <laughs> and uh, he he would just shoot the ball to the pop bumpers and it would immediately hit the number four. And I go, oh for goodness sake, I've been trying to get that for like. No, Five or six visits, the pop bumpers, it never hits it. Uh, but there's a lot of action going on in the pop bumpers, so I think that's very good. But the, 
probably the, the better area to concentrate on is the spinners, which are um, a new design using LE, um, using optos rather than micro switches, right. which obviously introduces a lot less friction into the spinning motion. Uh, they're not having to depress uh, a micro switch switch every time they spin, which takes it back to the feel of the original stone electronics spinners. So you, you can really nail um, mostly the right one. I found you probably do the left one as well. Found that you, you nail them and, just, and they spin for you know like twenty seconds or something, which is uh, exactly what you want if you get a really good shot. Right on there. Not not really authentic to EM gameplay because. They wouldn't spin for 20 seconds, but still, it's nice. I get no, it. No, but, but, but the Stern electronic ones were, you know, they had a, they were famous for their spinners. Right. And, um, and, and this had very much has that, uh, that feel to it. Okay, good. So, but, so a fun game. And uh, if you're a Beatles fan, then you will, won't be disappointed? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, if you're, uh, a, a pinball fan, obviously you're gonna, you'll, you'll, um, be familiar with the with the layout and it, uh, but there's I think there's enough different in it to still uh, produce a lot of fun and um, maybe the the price tag might be a little um, challenging shall we say without wishing to uh, get back into uh, previous problems um, but it's um, it's clear that um, it's a Beatles game it's as as much a Beatles game as, as you could possibly imagine and um, how appropriate I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, well, that's Beatles then, but there's mm -hmm. still more news on Stern Pinball as their programmers have been cranking out code updates for Metallica, which was a, quite a surprise. And then, uh, Kiss came out, which apparently really, uh, is a big update on that game and, yeah. um, uh, a very good one. And Batman 66 finally reached its 1.00 yeah. uh, software uh, release. Well, George Gomez did promise that would be coming out. That would reach 1.0 this year, and, and there, there it is. And uh, but yeah, I think I think you're right. The Kiss one is uh, probably the biggest update, um, probably if we've seen on any game for a long time. It seems to have totally transformed it um, in a good way, and given it a lot more. A um, lot more longevity to it. Um, Metallica was a surprise, and um, I wasn't expecting to see that at all. But uh, it's—I uh, think it's probably put a few Ghostbusters fans' um, noses out of joint that they haven't concentrated on that up until now. But uh, I think Metallica must be must be down as done by now, wouldn't you think? Um. I think so. Also, uh, apparently, they're no longer running Metallica. Um, Unless they come up with a vault edition or whatever, but um, so it's kind of appropriate that they're um, they're done building the game and the code is uh, finally finished. Yeah, it's uh, if you're a Metallica fan, it's always nice to see you know new features coming along and uh, well, in fact, any game that uh, has been out for a while. As, as you say, Metallica's not not in production anymore, or I don't think it is. Um, so. Yeah, let's let's keep let's keep going back and, and looking at the games which really need the updates. And so, uh, <coughs> Ghostbusters. <clears throat> um, let's uh, 
let's take our hats off to Stern that they're, that they're continuing to support their their older games. Right. Well, so uh, Ghostbusters might be in need of an update, um, and but but I'm wondering how far will they take this back because I don't see Stern taking this back all the way to Wheel of Fortune, which has been basically. Uh, in need of a code update ever since the game was released, and um, yeah, but at that point uh, the philosophy was like, hey, we're not building these anymore, so why bother? Yeah, well, obviously that's that's changed. They're bringing out Metallica updates, right? Um, oh well, unless unless we, unless it turns out they renewed the license and we we don't know about it. Well, like I said, um, they still might do a vault edition at some point. So, um, oh well, 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 we'll just have to see. So anyway, code updates from Stern, and um, from one code update to another, um, if we look at Jersey Jack, the most important news uh, uh, from them from uh, the past month is that they have been releasing code updates for The Hobbits, which is now at 3.00, mm-hmm. and Dialed In, which is now at 1.57. And, and neither of those are finished yet. I, I know that uh, the Hobbit has a, has a um, three point zero has um, some some I don't want to call them bugs, but uh, maybe features which which are going to be tweaked slightly in a further update. I know Ted has been uh, been working on that and has been very very um, proactive in, in engaging the community and getting feedback and, and getting beta testers out there, which is. Um, Good to see, and um, yeah, people have been coming back to him and saying and asking about about whether things are going to be um, included or, or um, notice things which have changed and whether they're working as designed. And I'm, I'm sure there will be a, a, at least one more update just to probably round it all off. But I don't think there are going to be any more features added to the game at this point because uh, it, they've actually done quite a lot to it recently, and it's. Um, I think they're feeling it's uh, it's a pretty rounded and, and complete product now. Which uh, I haven't played the latest version, but from from reading the notes and hearing what people have said about it, it certainly does seem as if uh, a lot of the the concerns with the game have been addressed. Right. Okay. Um, there's not that much uh, news from Jersey Jack Pinball to report, um, at least, or I must be missing something. Uh, I know that Pirates is currently in production. And they're they're mm-hmm. shipping those games. Uh, Jean Paul the Wind did a uh, who is the LCD animator for Jersey Jack Pinball. He did a uh, great seminar at the Dutch Pinball Open, which I uh, would like to thank Jean Paul for. And um, sadly, yes, I sat there for it, and it was very entertaining, and just as it was the previous year. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, you wrote up a um, uh, a report about the show and. Uh, there's some details on that seminar as well. And Jean-Paul, uh, although seminars were not recorded at the show, Jean-Paul had his seminar recorded by his brother. And um, maybe that will become available at some point uh, through the Jersey Jack uh, Facebook or Twitch stream or something like that. I'm not yeah, sure. Well, yeah. Certainly, if he, if, he puts it on, <clears throat> if he puts it on YouTube, I'll, uh, I'll link to it through the, uh, the DPO report in Pinball News as well. Right. So, um, but for all these um, uh, show organizers in the U.S. or wherever they are, um, if you're looking for a seminar speaker, I would highly recommend Jean Paul de Win because he really has a visually very impressive show uh, seminar to to discuss all the work that he's done on um, 
well, in this case, uh, Pirates, but also all the other previous uh, Jersey Jack Pinball games. So, yeah, I, I would recommend seeing. It. I really do hope that his seminar is available online because he has a lot of detailed information about about the Pirates game and the whole thinking behind how it was designed and all the graphics were were uh, were drawn up because it was. Um, I certainly did, hadn't realised the way that the the sort of the display is divided up into sections and you know, vertical columns for all the movies get running across the screen and um, the way that various aspects, various elements of the screen, how they work and how they interact with other elements. So it's, uh, it, but it is really something you need to see. Um, so yeah, if, if, even if his video is on, is available on YouTube, certainly seeing him in person gives you a huge amount of background information about the, the, the whole thought process that went into the design of Pirates. Yes, um, and I've seen other seminars by Jean-Paul. Also, He also has one on The Hobbit and on Dialed In. And uh, again, so much information that you don't, rea- you don't realize uh, that goes into the game uh, before they get where they eventually end up. So, Yep, absolutely right. Right. Um, I forgot one. Uh, we have to head back to Stern uh, mm. for just a second. Um, Not for a, a game that's in production, but uh, yeah. for a game which will well, be in production. Will be in production. We've known about this for over a year. And um, uh, the game was sort of expected to be launched, um, well, this month, come uh, December. Um, rumor has it that it could have either been Beatles or... Uh, this game, and we're talking about the monsters, um, and apparently Beatles uh, got prioritized. But uh, so we're still uh, we're waiting for monsters to be launched, and um, there was a new leak. Um, let's put that in between <laughs> quotes. Um, yeah, um, from uh, what appears to be well, if 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 you. Take all the clues from the photos that were leaked, and it's uh, traceable to probably the Greek distributor for Stern Pinball who leaked certain images. But it would be very stupid if the Greek distributor for Stern Pinball would be leaking images that would be traceable back to that distributor because it might affect their status. So, yeah, which weren't weren't authorized to be to be leaked, right? So either they were authorized to be leaked and then see how things go, or it was carefully orchestrated um, but either way so there's a couple of pictures that came out of the upcoming Monsters game where it appears that the uh, what was announced originally as the premium cabinet artwork is now going to be used on the pro model I think mm-hmm. um, that's correct there was a um, an image of the playfield artwork uh, but not a populated playfield, and a close-up of a, um, I guess what is a, um, a still from a video of uh, a section of the playfield. Um, so it's all a ramp, and uh, it's a very colorful game, and um, we just have to wait and see until they are ready to reveal it, and so we get to play it. But Yeah, I also think it's worth pointing out that probably what we have seen so far is almost certainly from the, uh, the pro model. Right, because uh, there's a very... Um, it's been rumored uh, that the premium and LE model will have a um, lower playfield. 
Yes, quite. Kind of like a ACDC type affair. Well, let's not hope that it's something like that. I was hoping more in, a, in a, something like, like Haunted House or, or something like that. That would be more interesting, I guess. But, but, but the, what we've seen in the playing field does have a kind of large blank area in the centre which could easily be turned into a, a window to a lower play field on, a, on the upper models. Right. So, so, but anyway, so um, let's just, um, whenever they release the game, let's all act very surprised. <laughs> 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 and, um, you know, so, um, and interestingly, in an interview with some, some horror uh, podcast, uh, Butch Patrick, who plays the character of um, Eddie Munster in the show, who will be a special guest at the Texas Pinball Festival in March, announced that the game will be at the Texas Pinball Festival in March. And he, I think he mentioned it would be a launch, but the overall expectation is that either the game is launched either later this month or early January um, to be presented at the CES show and the EAG show in London. Well, it'll be good if that's the case, because that means that we'll get to see it first. Um in London, because obviously we're we're both going to be there, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yep. So um, the original thinking was, I think that um, it it may be held. Uh, the launch may be in in January or February, but it would still be a, a big promotion going on, rolling into the Texas show because they they have two members of the the Monsters cast. Eddie right. and I don't know who the other person is, but uh, uh, I'm, not, not, I'm not familiar with the show at all. Uh, neither am uh, I. It's uh, the uh, Pet Patch or something. Um, the the woman who played Marilyn Munster in the show, the blonde, right. the blonde. Okay. One. Well, they're both guest stars at the Texas Pinball Show, so Pinball Festival, I should say. Um, so they're, they're clearly doing a big push on the monsters at that show. So it's still it's still going to be relatively new and um, still being the promote, promoted as the Stern as the current Stern or, or the latest Stern game at that point. So well, that's, that's ho, 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 ho. we don't know that because at the current pace that Stern is cranking out games, <laughs> we might have seen three other games by then. That's true. Yeah, who knows what else they're working on? It doesn't. If they're if they're making games by the hundred now. They could probably do uh, a run of those a month. Yeah, so we we could play a lot of new um, uh, new titles. Now we were supposed to be playing a lot of new titles at the mm-hmm. Texas Pinball Show, but earlier today, and this is really just fresh from the press, so to speak, um, Deep Root Pinball, who were um, who announced that they would be launching their company at the Texas Pinball Festival uh, next year basically postponed their reveal and they will not be showing off their games and company and what have you at the Texas Pinball show. Yes, that's, um, I, I would say it's a, it's a shock, but it's it's not really if you think, it, if you've been following the, the progress and and know anything about pinball manufacturing, it did seem that they it would be a real challenge for them to get um, even one game ready in time for the Texas show in March, which is, you know, we're looking at four months away. So considering they have, as far as we know, they haven't even started manufacturing or don't have manufacturing facilities and um, are still somewhere away from, from being in that position. 
But to do what they were planning to do, which was to launch, what, four, five games? Possibly even at, more. At, maybe even more at the Texas show. Um, just seemed totally impossible. And um, today well, the announcement was that um, they had postponed impo- indefinitely. I wouldn't say impossible, but I would say very ambitious. But again, it turns out to be very ambitious. Well, we know that, well, despite what other people have said, pinball is not easy. Uh, at least the pinball manufacturing is not easy. Design, talk, uh, ideas, yeah, easy. But actually getting a game made which is well, that's robust, a reliable, and ready to sell, which was their their other intention, was had the games there that you could you put your money down and, you, and you'd get them. Uh, that that didn't seem something that that was feasible to me, at least, in in, in such a short time scale. Well, it's the biggest uh, hurdle. Um, for any company in pinball, we've seen it with other companies, it's the manufacturing beast that, that needs to be, uh, controlled. And that's, that's the difficult part. You know, you have to, aside from having a manufacturing plan, you also need to control your supply chain. So that well, that's can, the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, one, one manufacturer, so one part manufacturer, uh, somebody's making the, the flipper mech says, oh, no, we've got a problem with this, and it's going to take another month to sort it out. There goes your launch. Right. So, um, so no deep root at Texas Pinball Festival, although I'm pretty sure that the, um, some team members of deep root pinball will be at the show. I'm sure they will have a big presence at the show. They just won't have any games available to, to show off or to, uh, to sell to the public. At this point, I'm not even sure whether they would have any presence at the show. But as, as far as what I understood is, we might not even see a, any Deep Root games in 2019. There's no guarantee. You know, they, they haven't given a, a, a point at which they will be ready to show their games. Right. So, you know, so but and, see how quickly they people learn. <laughs> they will need a large show to do the kind of launch they're talking about. So really, uh, without going outside the U.S., we're looking at either Expo in October or Texas again next March. And being a Texas-based company um, in 2020, I'm talking about now. Right. Um, being a Texas-based company, it certainly would be easy for them to have a large presence at a Texas show. Right. So, yeah, you're right. It could be a 12-month delay on the announcement. Right, and, um, well, there's obviously, there's other pinball shows. I mean, there's shows in Atlanta where they might go, and there's the Houston show, which is even in Texas, which usually coincides with uh, Expo, So, but then you'd rather be at Expo, I, I assume. Um, I think so, yes. So, but, but there's other shows, I mean, um, I, I, and it, it doesn't stick to one show. I mean, once you launch your company at one show, then there's all the other shows to make sure that you're also present. So um, we'll just have to wait and see how things will um, uh, develop oh, I'm, further I'm, on. I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of uh, other show organizers who are getting in contact with uh, Robert at uh, Deep Root around about this time, suggesting that he might like to launch at their show um, l- later in the year or early next year. But uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be down to whenever the games are ready to, to show. And right. they're, they're, not, they're not going to show them until they are. Well, it's also going to be interesting to see. Like, I mean, obviously, they are working with um, several designers. I mean, we got uh, John Popperdew there. Yeah, we got Barry Osler. We got John Norris. And we got Dennis Nordman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm missing anyone 
No, yeah, right, okay. Um, and um, most of these are working on multiple games. Um, but obviously, not every game is as clump- complex as uh, the other. So it could very well be that they might be ready, I, let's say, for example, September to launch one game. Um, but then the question is, are they going to or... Are they holding off on that game because they want to make a real big impact and launch, I don't know, seven games at the same time? Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, they, they've made promises of what they're going to do um, and they made promises of when they're going to do them. And the, the, the when um, isn't, isn't happening. So maybe what, the, the what is also going to be uh, adjusted to deal with um, the time scales and manufacturing capabilities that they, they actually have. Right, so so we might be looking at a completely different launch for DeepRoot than originally was planned. Heck, even the five days of DeepRoot might be completely off the table at this point. Yeah, it's going to be hard to do that at uh, anywhere else, really, um, other than in in Texas, I'd have thought. But uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they come up with. I'm sure they're they're working now on uh, on relaunch plans. Right, okay, so moving on to um, companies that are actually producing pinball games at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Spooky Pinball. Yes, um, they, they've obviously had a big success with uh, Total Nuclear Annihilation, or TNA, as we can call it from here on. Right. Uh, they, I think it's, if it's not yet um, their, their biggest seller, it's just about to be their it will biggest be. seller. At uh, 550, I think they're, 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 they're aiming for. Is that right? Yes, that is right. It's already their biggest seller because I have three games um, on order. And uh, so far, their biggest run uh, was 500 games. And mm-hmm. I have one of, one of my games is already 510. And what I understood is that um, they're very close to maxing out at 550 at which they will stop the production. So they are still, if people are interested in, in uh, buying a Total Nuclear Annihilation game, they might still be able to order one um, uh, from Spooky soon, and else then they're just depending on what becomes available on the second-hand market. Oh, there's no guarantee they won't make any more, though, is there? True, but it will take time because then they need to finish. Of oh, course. Cool. They, they, yes. they will start building Alice Cooper as soon as they can, um, poss- quite possibly still before uh, the end of this year, they will start production on Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle. And mm-hmm. most likely they're also, well, it depends how far the development of Scott Denise's second game uh, will be, whether that can go into production after the production of Alice Cooper uh, games is done, or they might revisit Total Nuclear Annihilation. That's true, yes. Yeah, they could do, um, but although... To be fair, I don't think Spooky have got a problem with um, with downtime on their the production line at the moment. They seem to be, to have more games in the in the pipeline than, than they're able to produce. Right. So, and and with Scott's second game also well in, into development, um, there'd be it doesn't seem likely there'll be a gap where they could just throw in another run of uh, you know a hundred or hundred and fifty TNAs. But it might happen. Who knows? Well, so here's where I'm um, sort of holding off uh, on on that in the sense that uh, I know how long it took Scott to develop his first game and it appears to me that if they, if he would have to be taken into production the second game right after Alice Cooper that would 
would basically indicate that he would have a significant less time to develop that game. Obviously, he won't be involved in every aspect of the game. No, he might not produce right. the music uh, for it this time or uh, do the co- leave the coding to someone else. But still, um, there's a, a lot less time involved this time. So uh, you, you, you may hope that the game is ready to go into production. Um, uh, software-wise, they might still be able to tweak a lot after it is in production, but um, contrary to the first time, Scott will not be able to take his game to various pinball shows to see how the response is and have people playing it and and adjust changes to based on suggestions from people and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's I just... We'll have to see whether Scott will be ready with his second game or whether they need something else to continue production. But that's all way into the future. First, they need to build a 300 Alice Cooper games. Uh, and that's going to take them at least six months, I'd say. So that's still right. a little bit of time. Yeah, plenty of time, I'd say. Um, but we'll see. You know, There may, there may be a, another game after Alice, before, uh, before Scott's second game goes into production. Right, there might even be another contract game in between. You don't know. Yeah, or we absolutely. don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we certainly heard, heard rumours about um, Scooby-Doo being a p- potential contract game for uh, the pinball company, right. Nick Parks. Um, that, that may come to fruition and would be a, a good one to, to, do, to pop into the, uh, into the schedule there. Right. Although at this point, um, having read some interviews with Nick Parks, I don't think the Scooby-Doo license is currently... I'm not sure about the status of that and whether that's at the moment very realistic. But who knows? You know, um, I'd love to be surprised. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's not as if uh, uh, Nick and Brooke aren't aren't busy enough with their other plans for... uh, for arcades and, uh, and their pinball hall of fame in Chicago, right. that they're working on, um, which they plan to have open by Expo next year. So that would be a lot of work for them, and I'm sure uh, having to having to deal with designing or, uh, or manufacturing uh, another game is probably something they could they could well do without. Right. So now, since we're talking about the pinball company, um, so we've seen the Primus pinball machine selling for eight thousand dollars. Um, uh, manufactured by Stern being the Wonelli um, uh, cabinet. The Jetsons yep. game that, that the pinball company uh, designed, which was built by Spooky Pinball, um, that's currently also limited to 100 games. Although they could have built more, but they didn't. Um, yeah. So that makes me wonder, does that make that game more collectible now? Uh, what well, the... The Jetsons? Yes, because that was a game that everybody was like, ah, at this price point, pass. But if it would have been cheaper, then again, if it's uh, if limited edition runs of 100 equal uh, a price tag of $8,000 or something in that neighborhood, then uh, that's a good excuse to buy that Jetsons game. Well, if, if 100 is now the kind of minimum order on, uh, on any contract game, then you may well be seeing quite a few runs of a hundred of various different titles coming out over the next few years, which <coughs> excuse me, which may or may make some of the earlier titles, um, which of which there were some left over, 
in the run or, or were, were not producing that, that number. Um, I don't think that will make those more desirable um, because they're, they're in danger of being left behind as, you know, if, if you and I wanted to go to get, uh, come together with and come up with an idea for a game, we could, we could make a hundred of them and get them contract manufactured. Um, that doesn't necessarily make them collectible or, or rare. Um, well, if, if, they, if they don't sell well. Well, they will be rare. Collectible is different. Uh, well, angle. desirable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and but keep in mind that in case of Primus, the, it was a reuse of an existing design. In case of the Jetsons, it was actually a new design. It was, yeah. But but again, both both games relatively simple to build in terms of uh, features on the playfield. True. Then again, having said that. Um, I remember playing the Jetsons, and um, although the, the, the object of the game is rather simple, basically spell out all the names on the playfield of the characters mm-hmm. in the game, I was not able to do that. So it's not that simple. It seems easy, but it's actually more difficult than you think, which actually is a good thing in pinball. Uh, well, you're confusing simple with easy. Uh, which, uh, it can still be a very simple Objective, a simple rule set, but they can still the game can still be set up sufficiently hard. You know, the, the shots can be tight and true, make it true. difficult to achieve. Right. Okay. So anyway, um, let's hope that Nick Pars has some surprises coming up. Uh, in... I'm sure. I'm sure he has one way or another, if, if, either games or uh, or locations to play them at. Right. Okay. So then, moving on to Chicago Gaming. Yeah. Monster Bash remake is in production and shipping. Yes, and doing very well by all accounts. Right. Um, uh, yeah, they lived you know, up to their reputation once again. So uh, kudos to Chicago Gaming for uh, for for living up to the hype, I would say, and and the the quality aspect of the game. Um, yeah, the game looks beautiful, um, plays plays very well, and is obviously clearly put put together very well. And uh, and there's a big demand for it. You know, just as if you thought that um, medieval and uh, attack may have uh, sort of diminished or or used up all the all the um, all the demand for remakes, um, I think Monster Bash has shown that there's still plenty of demand for them, and uh, it's it's selling very well indeed. I think. Yeah. Well, so I'm happy for them, and um, that's basically all the news there is to report on Chicago Gaming, as, uh, as far as I understand it. Yeah, I think they're just, uh, just getting on with the game and uh, building it and, and selling it. And I think they said they weren't going to be building any more medievals for a while. Right. Uh, but, but certainly when I was in the factory there, they had a, a large number of boxes of uh, attacks um, ready to go uh, if people wanted to buy them. I don't think they were all necessarily allocated to distributors or, or, to, or to customers, but they uh, they had you know, a large number there that were... Uh, so I, I think they probably made all, all of those they were going to do for a while and they really wanted to just concentrate on building monster bashes, which is understandable because uh, you know, doing one game at a time is a lot easier than having to uh, sort of fill in with... Uh, sort the line over to back, back to an older title. Right. So, okay. Well, um I'm just happy to see that they're uh, that they're cranking out games and that the quality of the games is, um, uh, I'd say, uh, very high level and uh, possibly raising the bar for others even. So I'm, I'm happy, yeah. happy to see yeah, that they're actually they're actually adding things, uh, adding quality to the to the game with the the uh, RGB lighting that they put into it and the topper and um, 
that they've made it into a much much more interactive and uh, and to me enjoyable game to play uh, than the original. The original always seemed a bit uh, a little simplistic in the rule set, and um, although the, the it was a very high production value in terms of the the graphics and the callouts and the animations, um, they they've added uh, lighting effects to that list. Now, which uh, with RGB lighting, which really does um, add, add another level to the game. Yeah, um, I haven't played it yet, but I look forward to uh, to playing it. I'm very familiar uh, mm. with with the game. I used to own one. I regret selling one, but oh well, what are you going to do? At the, t- at, the <laughs> yeah. time, at the time, it took me years to get rid of it. So that's the <laughs> story. So hold on, yeah. what do I hear? Is that you or is oh. that me? Oh, it's not me. Oh no. Are you Is sure it? it's not you? Hold on. Uh-huh. Where's that noise coming from? Oh, it must be me. Oh, yeah, I think it must be. It's not me calling you. So, who is it? Um, based on the ringtone, I'd say it's Gary. Oh, Gary Stern's calling. I wonder if he heard what we were saying about about the uh, the work going on at the factory. No, I'm not referring to Gary Stern, I'm afraid. Um, I'm talking about a different Gary. Oh, uh, I can't think of any other Gary. Who else could that be? Uh, uh, oh, not Gary Flower. Oh, right, yeah. No, well, it must be Gary Flower. I gave him his oh, own Oh, you should answer phone. that. You yeah. find out what it, is, what it is he wants. I'm sure he's got some useful information. Okay, well, let's see if we can uh, tie him in this time. Um, yeah, we've been trying to get him on the show for so long. It would really be good if you, if you could. Right, okay. So, um, hold on. Let me let me plug in my phone. Oh, okay. hold on, hold on. Being up. What? Yeah, he hang up. Oh, he must know that we're we're about to put him on the show. I think he's a bit he's a bit microphone shy. I think Gary he doesn't like or doesn't he, like being speaking in public. He's just not very patient, I guess. Oh, in the I'm sense sure it wasn't that your voicemail kicked in or something. No, no, no. He's just, he's using a WhatsApp to call. I don't have a voice oh. uh, voicemail to that. So so he must have hung up. Oh well. Uh, Better luck next time. We will get him on the show. I'm sure. Well. Um, it's destined to be, I'd say. And he's been trying very hard, so at some point it must he has. happen. He, he rings in at just the, the right time and also just at the wrong time. Right. So, anyway. Um, yeah. Speaking of UK uh, contacts, um, trying to bridge over to uh, <laughs> another uh, uh, topic, um, mm. Team Pinball. Yes, uh, an, another seminar speaker at uh, the Dutch Pinball Open Expo was Janos Kiss, um, who, who did a very nice presentation talking about the development of the uh, Team Pinball first game, The Mafia, and um, how, the, how the three founders of the, the company came together, um, how they decided to to build a, a pinball and how they set up their, their company from, well, from scratch, really, um, creating, uh, I think they made 11 initially. There were 10 that were for sale, but I think they, they, they made a run of, of 11 machines, one of which was probably a, a prototype right. more than a production game. So, uh, and, of course, you and I were both over there, weren't we, um, at, the, at the official launch? Yes, and I have to thank Janos um, to uh, come over and do the seminar um, because we had been looking at getting either Janos or so, uh, another member of uh, Team Pinball to do a uh, seminar, and eventually uh, Janos was able to, uh, to hop over, and it was a, sort of a last-minute type of arrangement, but we were happy to... Uh, 
uh, to fit him in, and uh, we're happy that he did his seminar. Um, and, and, the game, and the game was available to play on the floor for yes. the, for the whole weekend. Thank you for mentioning that. We have to thank Stefan Riedler from RS Pinball in uh, Austria for that. Mm-hmm. And Pinball Universe as well, because he shipped the game to Pinball Universe, and uh, they brought the game to the show uh, in Brunnen. Uh, so people could play it, where it uh, sat very nice next to uh, my total nuclear <laughs> annihilation. Yes, yes, two two sort of um, single level games, really. Yeah, and uh, um, not to take anything away from uh, the mafia, but total nuclear annihilation was definitely the hit at the show. It was the very first time the game was publicly uh, at a pinball show in the Netherlands, and. People loved it. Can't say anything different. Okay. Well, the um, it, was, it was it was great to see both those games available to play, and uh, I guess it was the first time that uh, the, the Mappy had been been available to play as well. Correct. Um, yeah. And well, speaking of the Mafia, the reason to bring it up is apparently um, Joe uh, from uh, Pinball Star has mentioned that the. Um, uh, the production for the Mafia, which was uh, originally maxed out at 100 units, has now been reduced to only 20. So they're going to build like 10 or 9 more games, and that's about it. And, uh, so that should maybe um, uh, um, add value to the collect- uh, collectability of the game. I'm not sure whether it will add anything to um, the 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 fun factor in the game, or or you know reasons why people want to buy it. But um, if you're looking for a rare game, then the Mafia is certainly destined to be one. Yes, and um, I think they always said that their intention was to build them in batches of ten. Um, so I dare say, if they get enough orders in for another ten, you know, and push up to thirty. Then they would do them, but they weren't going to. It wasn't worth their while building, you know, sort of ones or twos of the game. So um, to have to see whether whether any more any more um, orders come in. It's it's I, as far as I know, it's not officially uh, restricted to twenty units, but maybe that's what they think they can they can sell at the moment right. before they move on to their to the second title. It will also be interesting to see what are um, whether they will be working on a second game. And um, how they? Oh, I'm sure they will. Yes. How they w- how they will do with that? Um, obviously, the, the first one has its learning curves, um, and who knows? Maybe in a few years' time, those mafia games are highly collectible because they're the very first of Team Pinball, and which at that point might be a very successful UK pinball company. And uh, if you want to have all of their games in a row, then finding a Mafia game Mm. might not be that easy after all. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, And, of course, they may... well, all sorts of things could happen with the, with the with the group there. They might decide that uh, actually building the games is um, not something that that excites them any further, and they'd rather uh, contract manufacture them than somebody else. Well, so that might be a, a way to go as well. If, if particularly if they can get the costs down and be able to produce the games at a at a, at a better price. Right. Um, I would probably recommend that 
I mean, if they would be able to design games and just focus on the design of games, build a prototype and um, then source production out to a spooky pinball or maybe at some point in the future a deep root or whatever company might be interested in in doing that. Jersey Jack might be an option. I'm not sure where the term pinball would be, but never say never. They did that in the past as well. So uh, American pinball might be an option as well. Um, all those companies need to keep their lines going, and at some point they might be like, hey, if we don't have any games of our own to manufacture, then why not manufacture the game of someone else? But then yeah, again, true. Or, or, they could, or they could go with a, a non-pinball manufacturer, you know, a, a, another contract manufacturer, although uh, obviously there have been certain problems with doing that in the past. Right. So, oh well, we'll just have to see. Um, but so basically, there's going to be a couple of Mafia games available, um, and it might be your last chance to get one. So, yes, well, and, and good luck to Team Pinball uh, with uh, whatever they're working on next. Right now, so I also mentioned American Pinball, um, and basically, the news from them this month was. Um, Joe Bolzer has been um, looking at tweaking the layout of the game um, a little bit, which I guess is normal in the sense after having it displayed at a show and you see like, okay, this is a problem or that might be a problem. Um, the small tweaks in the layout. And uh, aside from that, um, we, we already discussed uh, the artwork of the game and mm. apparently... Um, there was the um, uh, Pincinetti uh, pinball show this weekend. That's and, right. Yeah, and apparently they had uh, an Oktoberfest game over there, which has a uh, what appears to be a temporary back class that has been altered to take away um, <laughs> the monkey business. I would say that was on, <laughs> on the on the back class going on. Um, yeah, nicely put. But it's not the final artwork for the back glass, uh, as I understood it. No, that, that's my understanding, too, that um, work is still going on uh, on both the artwork and the design package. I mean, bear in mind that when the game was shown at, at Expo, it was, you know, it, it basically just been built at that point, you know, a couple of days before. So it's no surprise that uh, after having a good test at that show and and, and, and after the show, that there are a few issues which come up which which they think they can improve and um, or other features they wanted to add. And, uh, yeah, doing a bit of a, a post-show pre-production tweakage is uh, very definitely standard and uh, to be welcomed, I think. I haven't kind of said, well, that's the game as it is, take it or leave it. They're listening to feedback and, uh, and learning uh, how the game plays and what they can do to make it better, both with the, the design and with the artwork. Right. And on top of that, they are scheduled to move facilities. So they got plenty yeah. to worry about. Absolutely, yeah. When we were talking, when we did the sort of uh, look around the factory, we saw the place they were planning to move to by by the end of this year. Well, actually, not just move by the end of the year, to be up and manufacturing um, in the new facility by the end of this year. So that, that at the time seemed a very ambitious schedule but they uh, they certainly seemed very uh, very determined to well, achieve that Robert take note there are companies who can do it 
Mm, yes. Um, uh, well, let's see. Let's see if they do. They do actually do it, and whether they are in there before the end of the year, building uh, Oktoberfest games. Let's right. hope they are. But but um, giving credit to American Pinball, uh, last year they said they they wanted to be in production with uh, Houdini, and uh, uh, clearly, okay, they they did uh, sort of hand build uh, uh, the first Houdini game, uh, but they did deliver that to uh, they they sort of went into production, and then it took them t- three months to get fully in production, but. The time it took the company to basically present themselves and get into production, uh, that was actually quite impressive. So um, I've, um, I'm very confident that they might be able to handle this move as, as smooth as it appeared on the outside for uh, bystanders as their uh, original uh, setting up the, the manufacturing uh, facility went. So. Yeah, they're definitely a company which uh, sets themselves challenging deadlines and uh, has repeatedly met them. So that's uh, no reason to believe they won't, won't make this one as well. Right. Okay. So I guess that rounds it up for this episode of um, the, the November 2018 recap. Uh, unless there's anything else that you might want to add, because I can't think of anything else that's worth mentioning at the moment no the only other thing i, I could do this time is uh, do a little plug um for the the diary page on uh, the pinball news site we've been been adding a lot of new dates um dates of shows throughout 2019 and into 2020 now there are at least a couple of shows in 2020 on there now and uh, i'll give a little shout out now to uh, our buddy uh, Jim Shelberg, uh, Pin Game Journal, who's been uh, very helpful working with me to, to to get some of these dates nailed down, talking to the organisers of shows, and um, making sure that uh, you can plan as far ahead as as possible, and uh, and also correcting a couple of uh, erroneous assumptions I'd made about where shows would be held next time next year, uh, where they actually moved location and in some cases even moved dates as well. So uh, thanks, Jim. I'll give you a shout out here right um uh but that's a good place we're trying, trying to make this kind of the definitive place to look if you want to know the the, the schedule of shows for uh into the future so we're looking at least 18 months uh, ahead now for, for many of those so uh, thanks jim and um that's the end of my plug well speaking of plugs and yeah connecting from pin uh game journal which is a magazine to uh pinball magazine i have um a little bit of news um two ways um there will be a free supplement downloadable pdf available later this month um which will be an uh, an interview with um pinball programmer and uh, designer John Osborne. Um, the interview was originally uh, supposed to be part of Pinball Magazine number five, which is available in the Pinball Magazine webshop. Um, but since I maxed out on the number of pages that could be included in the magazine, I had to leave the interview out, and I figured it would be nice to make it available after all, um, because it does fit in with uh, the rest of the magazine. The focus is John Osborne was actually hired by Wayne Nyans, uh, who is... Uh, the, 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 the pinball designer that is being focused on in the magazine. And as such, we're talking about his relation with Wayne, working on the Wayne, uh, their friendship, 
but also all the games that John designed uh, while working at Gottlieb. So that's coming up. And since it's December, usually I send out a, um, a, a mailing like, okay, if you want to order your um, uh, copies of Pinball Magazine for uh, the holidays, do so now. And um, this year I didn't. And the main reason I didn't is because I came up with a solution in the sense that um, in the past years I've had instances where um, I shipped out uh, a batch of orders of magazines at the last week of November and it took three months for them to arrive because apparently uh, all their postal packages were prioritized and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. I had batches that shipped in January that arrived quicker than what shipped uh, in November or December. Um, so I didn't rush anybody into like order now so you get your uh, uh, magazines uh, delivered in time for the holidays. Obviously, the magazines do make a great gift um, uh, for for events like Christmas and, uh, and such. Um, but um, the alternative what I'm coming up with now is everybody that is ordering a uh, or placing an order in the Pimble Magazine webshop, they will receive in case they want to use it as a gift. Um, I can't promise that the magazines will arrive in time, but I can promise that I will send everybody a, a certificate indicating uh, the order, which looks very nice. You can print that certificate, and uh, so you have something to give to whoever you're uh, uh, giving it to. Um, so they know what's coming. They have a little anticipation that it's on its way. Um, but with the postal services not being very reliable in uh, the month of December, uh, this is the best way at the moment that I could come up with something to still make sure that people don't fall into like a gap. Oh, where's my gift? Where's my gift? Ah. You know, and that happened in previous years. So, so by all means, knock yourself out in the Pinball Magazine <laughs> web shop, uh, ordering anything that you like. But uh, keep in mind that uh, delivery might not be in time for Christmas, but you will have something to present. Um, and there's the, 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 the supplement magazine coming as well. So you might be able to print that and that, that should keep them keep people busy as well so so that's the end of my plug good well i think we're uh we're fully plugged and um we always are with that (laughs) (laughs) well you pick yourself um i think we're we can draw this uh this podcast to a close for for this month we're looking back at the month of november right so um since this is december um and i don't expect us to do record another podcast in the meantime uh, before we do the recap of December I would like to take the opportunity and wish everybody a, a Merry Christmas yes a very Merry Christmas Happy Holidays whatever celebration you are having hope you have a wonderful time um, this December and uh, we will we will have a wonderful time ourselves and we'll be looking forward to, to seeing you again after all the excitement's over but uh, Maybe before the the new year, I don't know, or uh, if not, then very shortly into 2019. Right. So uh, until then, from both of us, um, have a lovely time, and we'll be back with the next Pinball Magazine, Pinball News joint podcast, um, looking back at December. So until then, from both of us, uh, goodbye from me. Bye-bye.